This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Welcome to Darlington, South Carolina. Drivers think this is a very special place, and we definitely agree. To be good here, you have to be on the edge for 500 miles. Fans are on their feet. Green flag in the air. We're racing. Talk about a Darlington strike. That's a Darlington crash. You have to take what the track gives you, and when it gives you lemons, you need to come to Pit Road and get it repaired. Look at that sun. He's basically blinded all the way down the back straightaway, trying to kind of guess where he needs to get out of the throttle. It's so hard. Tonight, with this stage win, he'll have a chance to basically clinch the regular season title. And what that will be is 15 more playoff points. He missed pit road. We've talked about how difficult it is at this racetrack. Race leader Denny Hamlin just missed pit road. Oh, what a drive for Denny Hamlin. Made the mistake getting to pit road, trying to make it up to his team from over 20 seconds back when this run started. Martin Truex Jr. trying to hang on. Big 78 gets into the wall. Denny Hamlin takes the lead. Hamlin is going to win at Darlington. Great Labor Day, everybody. We spent ours reflecting on what a special throwback weekend it was at Darlington NASCAR's presence, celebrating its past. All that fun in the rear view now, though, as the Cup Series wraps up the regular season this weekend at Richmond. The King, though, might still be on the track at Darlington. He was loving that. Uh, welcome to NASCAR America, everybody, presented by Mobile One. Uh, Carol Amanda with you. This should be a great week leading into the final regular season race, and we are joined today from Burns Garage by the Mayor Jeff Burton and our crew chief, Steve Letarte. I love that moment with the King, you guys. Uh, so much more, by the way, on Richmond and the playoffs coming up, but I am disappointed that you both aren't dressed like Don Johnson anymore. Steve, I thought you were going to do it. I thought you were going to show up here in a white linen jacket. Uh, Carolyn, I want to, but Rick said he needed it back. So I went ahead and got it dry cleaned and <laughs> got it back to Rick so he could put it in his closet. It's hard to believe a man uh, of his stature would own three white linen coats, but somehow he had all three. I was shocked they could get it altered to fit me. That, I, was, <laughs> and I don't know if they could get it back, but... Somehow or another, he did have three coats. And that, and that pink shirt I borrowed from him, that was awesome. I know. I have to say, I think I love Jess look the best. The pastel pink was a very nice touch. As for the race itself, did not disappoint, of course. Denny Hamlin's day looked pretty much done after a key mistake coming into pit road. But the opposite would end up being true. Pit now. Yeah, so they see Denny Hamlin pull off the banking and come to pit oh, road. Oh, he might have missed. He missed, he missed pit it. road. He missed it. We've talked about how difficult it is. At this racetrack, race leader Denny Hamlin just missed pit road. Martin Truex Jr. trying to hang on. Big run right here by Denny Hamlin. It's like he's on ice. Martin Truex Jr. trying to keep the car pointed in the right direction. Here comes the 11 for the lead. Big 78 gets into the wall. Denny Hamlin takes the lead. Well, I think the 78 has a flat tire. Might right front flat. tire, right front tire, guys. Right, go, right front, front tire, tire down. Denny Hamlin looking for his second. Southern 500. Hamlin is going to win at Darlington. Oh, 
throwback all they want. They're going to be talking about this 50 years from now. Great work, man. An absolute epic drive. It's unfortunate the 78 had that flat tire. I think the battle would have been great. A big win for Denny Hamlin, and here is the updated playoff picture. Chase Elliott, Matt Kenseth, Jamie McMurray maintaining the final three spots on points. The only way that one of them can get knocked out is if someone below that cut line that you see right there wins at Richmond. Denny Hamlin, though, nothing to worry about. Uh, he, following the big win, he spoke to Rutledge Wood. How did you do that after missing pit road? Yeah. Drove our off. That's as hard as I could drive. Uh, we got the flying 11, it's flying. Two nights in a row, taming the track too tough to tame. Yeah, I can't say enough. Uh, wow, this track is just amazing. I love this racetrack. Uh, this is the second one, this is a, this one's sweeter. I mean, you know, to go through the adversity we did right there, missing pit lane, and uh, I knew I had to drive my tail off to, to get it back, and that's a line. What do you want to say to these fans tonight being out here on this weekend? It's good to see the entire state of South Carolina in the stands. Thank you so much. So, Steve, Denny Hamlin described how he got the victory as basically driving his tail off. From your vantage point as a crew chief, how did he actually make his way back through the field at a track as tough as Darlington? Well, Carolyn, I know that it was remarkable on television, but standing in the booth next to Jeff, watching what Denny Hamlin did after missing pit road, coming on the racetrack 23 seconds behind. 23 seconds behind race leader Martin Truex and over the final 50 laps to close down what is nearly three quarters of a lap. 23 seconds is nearly three quarters of a lap and you see how he did it. He got a big chunk early using those fresh tires but around lap 334 he's still 10 seconds behind. Yet at its track as you described that's so difficult so on edge. Jeff there are no room for mistakes. A, a simple overdrive of either corner puts you into the wall. Denny Hamlin's drive was absolutely magical. It was fun to watch. It was great to cover. And I know there have been some iconic moves, the pass on the grass and other things that we talk about in NASCAR. I'm not sure this one gets enough credit because I agree with what the crew chief said. Years from now, we'll be looking back on this drive that Denny Hamlin put on, and this will be a celebrated Southern 500. Yeah, Carolyn, I have to admit, I was in the booth and I was kind of doing the math. I got caught up in the math of can he make it, can he make it. And Steve made the point, you know, they're live. This is unbelievable what's going on. And then it kind of caught my attention to really understand and appreciate what Denny Hamlin and his team did. Remember, Denny Hamlin made a huge mistake. You know, they, the team said it was 10 seconds. I say it was more like 12, 14 second mistake. And, you know, they said 10 seconds. He had to overcome that as well. So many times we see drivers, when they make a mistake, the second mistake isn't far after that because they try too hard. They try to make something happen. And on this racetrack, trying to make something happen, typically things don't work out. Denny Hamlin, you saw with the great drive he had, he only got there with two to go. Right. He still hadn't passed him. So he did a great job of getting there, managing the, managing the problem, and then pushing extremely hard on a difficult racetrack to push on. So to Steve's credit, he pointed out the epic drive that it was. And, it, you know, really looking back on it, it was, I don't want to say historic, but it was a great drive from the back of the pack. Well, it was just masterful. As you watch all these passes, there are so many opportunities to make mistakes. He had to make so many decisions correctly over 50 laps, we couldn't even cover them all. Every car he passed, every car he lapped, a lot of those were for position. That pass of Kurt Busch was for position. And then he got close enough to Martin Truex Jr. that I feel he pushed Martin Truex Jr. into perhaps burning those tires off and getting the flat tire. We'll never know. Was it a piece of debris? Did the tire just fail? We'll never know. And I said it on the broadcast. 
I was so sad to see the 78 have a flat tire, Carolyn, because those last two laps, that was going to be a heavyweight fight, toe-to-toe, -to -toe, punch for punch for one of the crown jewels of the sport. One of the other really cool things, Carolyn, I think that we, we kind of forget about this thing, is that with the, with the throwback paint scheme, the 11 on the side of the car, the flying number 11, I was in Virginia yesterday, and I cannot tell you the number of people that walked up to me, and they took pride in seeing <laughs> that 11 car win that race because that 11 meant so much to so many people. Ray Hendrick driving that car, uh, especially in Virginia. So when you talk about throwbacks, that throwback can mean more because it is something special. And seeing that flying number 11, I think, made that win even more special for a, for a small group of the country. But the mid-Atlantic of the East Coast, watching that number 11 car win that race, that was really special to them. And you could tell what the throwback scheme meant to Denny Hamlin as well. He was very familiar with the history behind that paint scheme and growing up and his involvement in the sport. It was really fun to hear him share his respect uh, for driving the Flying 11. Martin Truex Jr., though, Steve, you mentioned him. He was just exhausted after the race, and rightly so. Let's listen to his initial reaction to the blown right front tire with three laps to go. It's tough one, man, you know. You know, sometimes those things just don't go, don't go your way, and tonight um, not much did. We had a fast car. Took the lead four or five different times. And um, just had a phenomenal race car in the long runs, and at the end it was just two laps too long, just blew a right front. So didn't see that coming, didn't really have any issues all night on the right fronts, but circumstances there were a little bit different with a green flag stopping, running pretty long. We had him till that, but uh, that's the way it goes. So, Steve, he didn't get the win, but he was able to clinch the regular season championship on Sunday after he won stage two. Uh, how do you see the 78 team heading into the playoffs? I mean, didn't get the win at Darlington, but still right on track? Well, yeah, because every race that they don't seem to get the win, they're still in contention. They're still in the conversation. But how about Martin Trex Jr. there? That's a remarkable race car driver who's in very good physical conditioning and had a hard time catching his breath. I think that's what makes what Denny Hamlin so, did so wonderful. This is the Southern 500. These drivers were behind the wheel for well over three, three and a half hours. And, and it was a, a long, grinding battle. And you saw the disappointment on Martin Truex's junior face. But it was still mission accomplished, which was come win the regular season, win a couple more stages, and have a chance of winning the race. You could see that even with his disappointment, he knows that they don't always are going to fall your way. At some point, it falls the opposite. And how about that move at the end of the first segment, stage oh, to, to, pass, to pass Kyle Larson, went to the bottom, just tried something, a move that you wouldn't have never seen without the stages, and earned that one point. And it's going to be really interesting to see if that one point makes a difference moving into the playoffs. We've seen it every year, how one point, a tie somewhere, a tie at Talladega between Denny Hamlin and, and uh, Austin Dillon. I mean, that one of them went, the other one did. It was a one-point difference. So that one point could make a difference. I, one thing also that I took from this race. So you see right here, Martin Truex Jr., 37, Kyle Busch, 20. So, I, so many people say that Martin Truex is walking to Homestead. So let's say in the, third, in the third segment of races this year in the playoffs that the same thing happens, that he's leading the race and blows a tire with two laps. We've got a completely different point race. And that's uh, – Martin Truex Jr. and his team have done a great job. There's no question. I think round one is a slam dunk, like walk through round right. one. Round two is easier than round three. But round three, when you start getting the best teams, the best drivers that also have – 
playoff points, it's going to become more difficult. And round three is not going to be a cakewalk for anybody. You're going to have to earn your way to Homestead. He's done a great job, that team, and he have done a great job of giving themselves points. I just don't, I don't agree with the theory that it's a, it's a cakewalk. Now, listen, if they continue to run the way they run and finish the way they typically finish, it doesn't matter what the points are. It doesn't matter if he had playoff points or not. They're going to walk to the playoffs because of their performance. But we've seen so many times, not only in racing, but in every sport, regular season, you know, the, the team that was 16-0, they don't necessarily win the Super Bowl, right? It's just how it is. It's difficult. And I just don't think Martin Truex Jr. and his team. Now, they're my favorite, but I don't think that it's a cakewalk to Miami. Well, Caroline, I will say what Darlington provided, in my mind, was a playoff preview because there were no creative pit strategies. There was no fluke cautions. There was no opportunity to do something crazy to get track position. It was a man-machine battle. It was a pit crew on pit road battle. Every inch, every second, every pass, there were no gimmies. It was a heavyweight fight without a doubt. And we thought it was going to be only the front two rows, which were Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, Kyle Larson. And they didn't disappoint, leading a ton of laps. But in the end, somebody that perhaps we didn't talk about enough before the race, won the race on Saturday in the Xfinity car, Denny Hamlin, kind of went up and took it away from those front two rows. And I think that's what we're going to see for the next 11 weeks. So, Steve, you always talk about playoff preparation and the title contenders and what they're doing, what their crew chiefs are thinking about. If you're Cole Pern, you have this massive accumulation of playoff points that may or may not, you know, allow you to walk through to Homestead, like Jeff is saying. How are you factoring that in as you now approach the beginning of the playoffs? Does that help you in preparation? Does that play into your strategy? Well, I think if I was Cole Pern, as successful as this 78 car is, it's all steam ahead. I don't think you let up. I think you act like the playoffs are already here. The playoffs started last weekend. While you have to be a little cognizant about your equipment, you might have this one magical car. Maybe you run it at Chicago and it, it's the best car you've ever ran. Maybe you save that for Miami. Or you run, run something at Charlotte and it's spectacular. Maybe you save that for Miami. But other than perhaps your Miami car, everything else is as many points as you can accumulate. I think it's not just about points either. It's about momentum. It is a mind game as much as it is a race on the racetrack. And I think Cole Pern and the 78 car want to go out and just continue week in and week out, making all those other teams, Jeff, think before you even get your car off the truck, we have you beat. Don't even unload your car. We have you beat. And that sounds silly, but there's a small bit of that in everyone's mind. And Cole Pern wants to make that right at the front of their memory. Yeah, I, I, Carolyn, I think that everybody thinks that Martin Truex and Cole Pern and those guys have this formula to gain all these points. <laughs> well, the formula is to have a fast race car. And, and as soon as the Daytona 500 was here, you know, they, along with everybody else, knew that if you could win stages and you could win races, you were going to be benefited by it. Everybody's been trying to do it. I mean, every team, it's not, like they, it's not like they figured something out before everybody else. They had the hardware, they had the decisions, they had the things that are necessary to lead those laps, win those stages, win those races. That's been their key to success. They're not going to change that. They, there's, there's, for them, the strategy is simple. Do what you've been doing. Yeah. I mean, it really is. They don't need to change. They can do what they've been doing, and if they execute on that, they'll go to Homestead. There's no doubt about it. So for them, I, I think that they don't even need to look at, okay, Richmond's the last race of the regular season, then we start at Chicago. I just think that they go race. 
and they just go do what they've been doing because that's been the formula for success. They were consistent last season as well. Plenty left in this hour of NASCAR America. We're just getting started. We're going to take a look at the vintage rides that had the crowd buzzing during throwback weekend. Today's edition of Scandal showing us how the race played out from the perspective of the drivers, the crew chiefs, and the spotters. And Pete Pistotti of the Morning Drive joins us to weigh in on the controversial finish of Sunday's truck race. What would happen if that were to take place this Saturday night at Richmond? NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for one full year. Two title contenders collide in the Premier League as Manchester City hosts Liverpool. Our coverage begins Saturday morning at 6.30 Eastern right here on NBCSN. Do not miss that one. Meanwhile, one of the best parts of Darlington Throwback Weekend was watching the current crop of drivers show the respect that they have for the legends of the past and remembering the classic paint schemes that those drivers drove to glory on Saturday. Four of the sport's biggest names took four of NASCAR's most legendary rides out for a drive at Darlington. Welcome to the Southern 500, historic racetrack, great weekend, throwback weekend, celebrating the past. We have a great opportunity today. I'm driving A.J. Foyt's car. He's a Daytona 500 winner, Indy 500 winner, legend in our sport. KP behind me, he's got a cool car also. Yeah, I'm driving my dad's car. It's the 67. Uh, that he won the Southern 500 with. He won the April race here. Uh, both years, won three races in a row. Uh, started his life as a 66, but now it's a 67. I'm at a little bit different advantage arrow-wise, but my man Dale Jarrett behind me uh, in Earnhardt's car. What is that thing? Oh, man, this uh, 81 Pontiac. And, of course, it's got the number two on it. Uh, Earnhardt, before he got into that famous and made the three car, uh, the number as famous he did, broke the number two for a few years. Uh, this is a great car. You know, I tried so many years to get Earnhardt to let me drive his car. Finally now, I get that opportunity. Hey, Mark, your car's pretty familiar to you, though, right? Uh, yes, sir, Dale. This is a 1990 Folgers Ford uh, with Jack Roush. It was our third season together. Um, it's incredible. Only two years did we run this paint scheme, and uh, it was uh, one of our favorites. Uh, epic battle in 1990. Well, one of the things that has changed over time is the cars. Obviously, the cars are completely different today. But this racetrack, guys, this is how it's always been. I mean, this place has so much history. It's so difficult. I think we should get too wide. Come on, come on, Kyle. Come on up here beside me. Let's get too wide and show everybody how hard this racetrack really is. Oh, man, you would put me on the outside of oh. Dale Jarrett. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Get him, Dale. Perfect. Careful there, Mark. <laughs> look, I can reach over and shake Kyle's hand. I, yeah, I can reach out, man. Yeah, you look, I know the fans will say, well, there's all kinds of asphalt that you see around this place and all the way down, but all of that that you see to the left of me, pretty much not usable if you're going to race at speed. Listen, I, you guys have a little bit of an advantage because you want to talk about narrow. I'm on six-inch tires here, okay? <laughs> you guys got the big cup tires. Can you imagine coming down the front stretch here and this was, at the time, this was turn three. Trying to get into turn three, which is now turn one, to get down on the flat, to chase this thing up the bank with somebody on the outside of you, and still get up next to that wall if you're on the outside. Yeah, this might be the 
most exhilarating corner that I ever raced on was because you had to be wide open back in that corner at the middle of one and two to make the exit of this and you get down the back straightaway. That, that made you draw up in your seat every time you exited there. You know what I find so fascinating about these cars is, is in the modern car, you don't turn your head. Like everything is straight, you look with your eyeballs, but I can look, I can turn my head and I'm, I feel like an owl in here. I can turn my head all the way around, check out Kyle, see what he's doing. The, the movement of these cars is just crazy. It's, you know, in, in this car, in the 67, looking around, I can reach back and change the rear end pump if I have to. <laughs> and I don't have a wind in that, so I can stick my arm all the way out and point back at Mark Martin and flip him off, okay? <laughs> and he knows who I'm talking about. Hey, it's Mark, now I can see why Richard Petty won so many times they couldn't pass him. That car takes up about a lane and a half, just how wide it is in the back. I tell you what, old Mark, he looks like he's in good enough shape to go run 500 miles. Oh, there's no doubt. Are you kidding me? I see KP with the, with the, with his phone out taking pictures. Taking pictures, baby. <laughs> taking pictures. Once in a lifetime. I just got to tell you, that's a uh, that's an oxymoron right there. Driving that car with a modern cell phone taking pictures. That don't, <laughs> that don't add up. I, I will say this: it is pretty cool to be out here with you three guys, uh, guys that have won at Darlington. I never was fortunate enough to win here. Driving my dad's car that won here, uh, but so much talent and those three cars. And to represent A.J. Foyt, Mark Martin, Dale Earnhardt Sr., uh, Richard Petty, probably four of the, the greatest drivers ever to run around this place. Uh, but it's an honor to be out here with you guys. So thank y'all for letting me be a part of this with you, man. Jeff, you look like you didn't miss a single step behind the wheel of that car. What was your favorite part about that experience? Well, I think listening to Kyle Petty and Dale Jarrett and Mark Martin, they, you know, tell the stories of the cars and what they remember about being in the sport. You know, Kyle and DJ, they were, they played as kids in the infield and, and you know, have seen this, this sport change. And I think just hearing those stories, sitting in those cars was unbelievable. But listen, as far as highlights as a regard, in regard to those, those throwback cars, Richard Petty taking a couple of laps <laughs> extra before the race, that was perhaps the best thing all year long. It's like, hey, I'm the king. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And NASCAR had the nerve to black flag him. I couldn't believe they black flagged the king. <laughs> yeah, we were talking in the booth. We weren't sure who was going to tell the king to get off the track because it wasn't going to be the three of us. But as great as these cars were to see on the racetrack, Carolyn, I think I enjoyed just as much when they were in front of the NASCAR America set and I could look at the cars. And as, from a, as a former crew chief, look at the ingenuity in those cars. There's a panel in the right front of the King's car that he could open with a string and look at the right front tire. And he told me because as it started getting shiny, that means you needed to come to Pitt Road. I mean, think about that. 150 <laughs> miles an hour around Darlington and you're just going to open the panel and check out your right front tire. That's what Martin Truex needed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Those cars were on the set on Friday when we were down there in Darlington and it was such a thrill to just look inside and just see what they looked like. But in case you missed the moment uh, that Jeff was talking about with the King Richard Petty, have no fear because we are going to relive that in its totality. When we come back, we're going to crank up the radios and scan all Darlington. Don't look like he really wants to go to the pit road. Richard, come on in on the back. Richard said, heck with it, he's going to race. 43 don't want to leave the track. I don't blame him. I drive that thing around all day. <laughs> he didn't pull off. <laughs> That's awesome. They're 43 pulling the board. They're going to put him up on the board. They're black flagging him. Oh, you can't 
black flag to 43. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, a special show for you tomorrow as we are at the Hall of Fame. Our drivers will have a candid conversation with Austin Dillon, his racing roots, his great win at Charlotte to get him into the playoffs, and they will look ahead to the postseason. A full hour tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern right here on NASCAR America. So throwback weekend at Darlington was more than white linen suits and hot pink lipstick and too much hair gel, although that was a lot of fun. The Southern 500 is steeped in a tradition that spans multiple decades, and Denny Hamlin added to that rich history with an incredible comeback. Let's scan all Darlington. Labor Day weekend, Darlington Raceway getting ready for the Southern 500. This racetrack has meant so much to the history of NASCAR. Awesome weekend. Richard Petty is one of the honorary pace car drivers. It don't look like he really wants to go to the pit road. Richard, come on in on the back. Richard said, heck with it, he's going to race. Not going to go, Kevin. They're going to add a lap here. 43 don't want to leave the track. I don't blame him. I drive that thing around all day. <laughs> he didn't pull off. I think he's having fun. That's what I think. <laughs> Absolutely. He's entitled to it. Can't get him in. <laughs> we all want to go depending on whether the king decides he wants to stay on the racetrack or pit. Richard Petty has stayed out on the track again. <laughs> That's awesome. They're 43 pulling the board. They're going to put him up on the board. They're black flagging him. <laughs> oh, you can't black flag the 43. <laughs> That's funny. As the King pulls off the track, getting ready for the Southern 500. Green flag in the air, we're racing. Car's running like it's out of fuel. Double up. Oh, like I shut it off and it won't quit. Now it's blowing up or something. Ah, we need a push. Told you you got to respect her, otherwise she'll reach out and smack you. We're going to talk about a Darlington stripe. That's a Darlington crash. Were you just real loose there? Super loose. Everybody out there, Jimmy, screaming about being sideways. Wow, way loose for Dale Jr. So loose, I can't get the track bar down anymore. It's like driving on an icy road, as slick as it is. I might have went from really loose to out of control. Holy crap, that's completely sideways. Tighter loose. <laughs> like when you're on ice skates, you don't really know. You're just all over the place. Kyle Larson over Martin Truex Jr. Racing back to the green checkered flag. Come on, come on, baby. <laughs> For the 16th time, is stage winner, MTJ. Point, point, boys. You know what that means? That's it, four. Let's go for 40 more. You bet your butt. Car won't fire. Say what? You're on fire? Won't fire up. 22 stalled or something here. Keep coming. Master power, re repower. There it goes. I don't know what happened. It wouldn't, it wouldn't start back up. We have a sensor issue. Trouble turn Driver. one. Cody Ware gets it. AJ Allmendinger spinning to the inside is Matt DiBenedetto. Hey, go tell the 51 to uh, just quit racing. Oh my God. What the f was he doing? That's why we said to stay away from him. Mind you. Came down on me. Stay away from him. Tried. Rick came down on me. Rick doesn't need to be too hard on him. This place eats everybody up and chews them up, spits them out at times. 74 to go. Denny Hamlin now in front of Martin Truex Jr. The 11, he's the leader. He's not pitting yet. It's this top, this top. Oh, and he overshoots the pin. Denny Hamlin overshoots the commitment line. Stay out. You missed it. Stay out. I mean, he gave up 12, 13 seconds by making this mistake. Two liters, 78. Oh, it's stretching out, but in the rhythm. We got nine cars on the lead lap. Nine. Your people are right here. Are we pitting again? 
Not unless the caution comes out. Be a good time for yellow. 25 to go. We're not coming again unless the caution. We're running this out, huh? Yeah. I can't even hold this thing in a straight line down the straightaway. Shot out of this setup up to pass. Do not waste any time. 25 to go. You can do this. Denny Hamlin trying to chase down Martin Trex Jr. Better than a leader. Keep it up. Doing good, baby. Doing good. Here's coming to five. Here's the line. Five to go. 11's going to catch him, but can he get by him? Still clear by five. Three to go. Nobody wants to make it easy, baby. Still doing hell of a job, bro. Here's Hamlin. Truex is in the wall. Martin Truex Jr. is in the wall. And it's Hamlin going to the lead. Hold it up there. Hold it. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. No, there's two laps to go. You got to just lip it around. Denny Hamlin looking for his second Southern 500. Get out the brooms because he is going to sweep Darlington for the weekend. How about that? Hell yeah! Talk about a weekend! Woo! I thought I screwed it. Hell of a Yeah, you gave up 10 seconds, but you made it all back. Crazy, crazy drive, dude. It's a goal, but we did it. I don't know what else I could have done there. Uh, you did everything you could, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wanted to come two laps later than we should have, and I should have stuck to it. My bad. Yeah, nice work, old man. That was a great weekend, guys. Thank you. P4 right there tonight. Really nice job. That was a long-ass run. It was like water torture there at the end. Throw back all they want. They're going to be talking about this 50 years from now. Hello, show. We congratulate Denny Hamlin for the second time in his career. He's won the Southern 500. Phenomenal finish on Sunday during the throwback weekend. But as it relates to the playoffs themselves, that is what we are focused on right now. The situation for the three drivers currently in on points, Chase Elliott, Matt Kenseth, and Jamie McMurray goes something like this. As long as nobody from Clint Boyer on down does not win, they are in. So if you are one of those three, Steve, what is the strategy for Elliott and Kenseth and McMurray? Well, I think you need to unload at the racetrack, Carolyn, with the, with the expectation that the 77 or the 22 could go win the race. And that, therefore, you are racing the other two cars in points. I think the goal needs to be, Jeff, to control your own opportunity to make the playoffs. And the only way you do that is to not be the third of those three that are in on points. I think you're racing those two other cars. And while points racing is not popular, that's exactly what I would be doing at Richmond. I would be scanning those two cars I'm competing. If I'm Chase Elliott... I'd be listening to Jamie McMurray and Matt Kenseth, and I would understand what kind of day they're having, what kind of troubles they may or may not be having, and my entire strategy would circle around how those cars are running. If you have the speed to go win the race and win stages, then you certainly go do that. If you don't have the speed to do that, then you do exactly what Steve said. I mean, the speed will determine your strategy. If you're fast enough, you just do what you can do to win the race and win stages. But if not, and you're running similar speeds to the guys you have to beat, then you just you do whatever you got to do to try to be where you need to be in case you get a surprise winner. And Carolyn, well, sorry, but I was no. going to say there's more on the line for the guys that are already locked in. That's what's going to make Richmond different this year. You know, Martin Trex Jr., Kyle Busch, Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick, there are playoff points still available. So there's not going to be any gimmies at the front. Well, that's a great point because I, I, I remember going to Richmond knowing I'm in. And you're all happy. And I mean, I remember Dale Jr. and I, we raced in the high line, I and mean, it was a great race, and it was just fun. Like, it had no pressure whatsoever. But the minute that race ends, different ball game, and it changes. So, uh, but this year, if you don't have a good run, that can hurt you. That hurts your chance. They need to start taking some points from Martin Truex. The only way to take those points from him is to take them for yourself. And there's an opportunity this weekend for people to, gain, to lessen the, the advantage that Martin Truex and his team have gained. Yeah, I mean – Basically, this will be a different Richmond race than we have ever seen. 
because we have never seen something on the line for every car in the field still. That's what this system has done. I applaud NASCAR because while I didn't think about that back in February, with Richmond on the horizon, it's very clear to everyone that there's still something to be gained. All right, so you expect the weekend to have a playoff atmosphere mentality to it already. And just a reminder, the cup race on Saturday night, not Sunday. So we're expecting big things as we head into the playoffs. In the meantime, come off the sh- coming up on the show, <laughs> hello. We're going to be joined by Pete Pistoni to discuss Sunday's controversial finish in the Truck Series race between Austin Sindrick and Kaz Gralla. Did Sindrick cross a line? That conversation next. Well, make sure you start your Wednesdays with us every week, 9 a.m. Eastern, NBC Sports and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, bringing you the news and analysis of the sport's biggest stories. Our NASCAR and NBC personalities joining Mike Bagley and Pete Pistone on the morning drive. That is Channel 90 on Sirius XM. And Pete is with us now, as he is every week here on NASCAR America. So the last time I spoke to you, Pete, we were talking about whether fans may or may not be tired of this throwback scheme. You said they wouldn't be, and I don't think they were based on how much fun we saw this week. Weekend. What were your impressions? I, I really thought it was a blast. I, I love all the throwback themes, the paint schemes. I love watching Jeff and Steve and, and Rick in their Miami Vice outfits and all that. But here's the thing. When it all ended and all that pomp and circumstance ended, we had a race. And I thought that was one of the best races we've had all year. That was the old school Darlington tire management. You didn't know what was going to happen. Drama at the end. I can't think of a better way to spend Labor Day Sunday than what we saw Sunday night at Darlington in the Southern 500 this year. Well, I think that's the point, Pete, is not only was it throwback weekend, but we've talked about it this whole show and talked about it all weekend long. It was a throwback racetrack. Darlington was tire management, and we ended up seeing Denny Hamlin put a great drive on what we talked about, Jeff. But overall, I thought the weekend was supported not just by the fans, the drivers, and the paint schemes, but I was impressed with how many current-day sponsors allowed the drivers and the teams to go back to some throwback paint schemes and really celebrate the history of NASCAR. Yeah, and Pete, to be clear... It was Miami yeah. Vice attire for Steve and I. That was just, just casual, yeah. casual Sunday for Rick. <laughs> that's just that's oh. normal Rick attire. So don't think he was dressing up. That's just Rick. Okay, I was going to send you some of my mom's spaghetti sauce just to see you go all over those outfits. That's how. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. I was going to say, Pete, Steve begged me to wear white linen on NASCAR America today. I said, absolutely not. Uh, the weekend was fantastic. Let's move on, though, uh, Pete, to what people are talking about on Sirius XM uh, Radio. The NASCAR and NBC poll question took us to a pretty interesting topic for the day from Sunday's Truck Series race. Was Austin Sindrick's decision to dump Kaz Grala to win the race over the line? Yes or no? That was the the question and a lot of opinions expressed on the morning drive today about whether or not that was kosher pete yeah we had austin Sindrick on our show kaz Grala was on the trade and paint show after us and listen i i haven't changed my view and my opinion is this i think there's room for contact in this sport it's a contact sport but i think there's a difference for me of watching this pretty much my whole life of when two drivers make contact racing for position and one driver flat runs another one over and that's what i saw on Sunday. Now, Austin Sindrick said Sunday, and he said it today again, he needed a win. He was going to do anything he had to do to get that win because of the playoffs, and he knew that Kaz Grala had a win. So that played the back in the back of his mind that he needed to get into the playoffs. But, I, I, guys, I just, I just wonder, is there still room for respectful driving and sportsmanship in NASCAR? Because I hear more from the young drivers than I do the veterans. They're going to do whatever they have to do to get the victory lane, and I think we saw that on Sunday. 
Well, Pete, I, you know, I, I came from the environment. I grew up racing against Tommy Ellis, against Jack Ingram, against Tommy Houston, against L.D. Ottinger, guys that if you just went up and spun out like that without racing them, you would deal with them later that evening, and it wasn't going to be a friendly conversation And because you were taking food off their table. You weren't just taking a trophy from them. You were taking food off of their table. That's how they lived, and that's how they existed. So for me, I think that contact has a place in the sport, but at the right time and at the right place. I think you should at least race the guy. I think you should give – you should – you know, if you're not good enough to pass him, then you just weren't good enough to pass him. And I, I, that's, that is the way, that's, that's the, the, the line that I ne tried to never cross. But I have to say that the rules are different today than they were. There's so much. This win in your end changes the game. And whether we like it or not, it, it tests your morality. It tests what you're really willing to do because there's so much reward for essentially no penalty. The penalty is you're going to catch some grief. From, your, from the people you race against, maybe you get spun out, maybe something happens, but now he has a chance to go compete for a championship. And that's, that reward is so big for these guys. I don't think it's necessarily a generational thing. I just think that the reward is so much greater than it's ever been to get that single race win. Well, in, in my opinion though, it, I don't like the move. I don't think NASCAR has a place in officiating the move. I don't think it's yeah. a NASCAR issue. It needs to be handled by the drivers on the racetrack. Uh, but as a race fan and as an, an analyst, what I'm disappointed about is Austin Sindrick went to that race, sat on the pole, was one of the favorites, and drove a very nice race. But I don't remember any of that. So here's a young up-and-coming driver who has every right to drive however he wants. I don't agree with it, but what I remember is a driver that, to Jeff's point, didn't even try to race for the win. In my mind, the first chance he got to make contact, there was contact. I don't really care what the goal of the contact was, whether it was to move him a little bit or to spin him out. When it's front bumper to rear bumper, that's not an attempted pass. That's basically moving another truck or car on the racetrack, Pete. And that's the problem I have. I think the drivers need to settle it on the racetrack. But as a race fan or as an analyst, I don't remember any of the great stuff that Austin Sindrick did. I just remember the one move. That's a great point. And I'm going to tell you, he, Steve said that NASCAR doesn't have a, a position in this. I agree with that 100%. The last thing that we want is NASCAR judging who should get penalized and who shouldn't based on contact on the racetrack. We don't want NASCAR involved. The question is, how do the drivers in this era where winning a single race meaning so much, how do you handle it? Matt Kenseth handled it. Right. right? He handled it and you saw what happened to him. So you've got to have a recourse when somebody just intentionally wrecks you. If you don't, then you'll get intentionally wrecked a lot. Here's what Kaz had to say on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio's Trade and Paint. I think any good driver will tell you that they have a pretty good memory. And I think the 19 is going to have a difficult time going forward in this season because I think he lost the respect of some drivers out there. What do you think about this, Pete? Do you expect retaliation from the rest of the field in this case? Well, you know, to Jeff and Steve's point, we've seen the drivers take care of this. And, and I'm with you to a point, guys, about I don't want NASCAR to intervene. But let me say this about Kaz, first of all. I think the way he handled himself Sunday and the way he handled himself today on Sirius XM NASCAR radio, you know, I, I admire athletes that can talk. It's, all, it's easy to talk when you win. I admire athletes that talk when things don't go their way. I thought he's handled himself perfectly here. But there's my question, guys. I equate it to baseball. The pitcher that hits a batter gets the warning, right? The pitcher that retaliates on the other team and hits the other guy's batter, he gets tossed out. Does Kaz Gralinow risk the free shot that I think he's got because of what happened to him with Austin Sindrick and then NASCAR stepping in? And, and is he a kid that would go out there and retaliate? He said he wouldn't, 
But, I mean, he's, he's a human being. You know, if he's in that position and he sees that 19 truck, if he leans on him, does, does NASCAR then step in? Yeah, I don't, I don't think they will. I, I think it has to be malice. I think that Matt Kenseth, you know, wrecking a guy that he wasn't racing for a position, I think that'll be, cause a penalty. But what NASCAR has said and what they have been pretty consistent on, well, actually, very consistent on, is if you're racing for a position and it's normal racing and whatever happens, happens. So I don't think he has to fear a penalty. I just don't think that he can go out and say, you know what, my main purpose for this lap is to wreck him. He's got to have an incident during a racing event. But I also think, Pete, that all the drivers have a hand in this because when Austin Cindric made that decision to move Kaz Grala, he showed every other competitor what he's willing to do. So I don't think it's just Kaz Grala that has the right to lean on that 19 truck and Austin Cindric. I think it's every driver in the series has now got a green light to race Austin Cindric the way that he chose to win and make the playoffs. All right, we'll leave it there. Uh, Pete, you've got Jeff and Steve today. Tomorrow, their booth mate, Rick Allen, is going to join you on the morning drive. Don't let him wear linen, okay? You know he's got that white jacket just ready to go. Doesn't want to put it down. No, I know that. And plus, with that, that booming voice, he's going to make Bagman and I look bad on the radio yet again. So we'll look forward to Rick. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. See you guys. Coming up, it was an interesting night on pit road for Denny Hamlin, to say the least. Coming up next, we're going to hear from one of the 11 team's crew members who helped him get to victory lane. Stay with us. NASCAR America is brought to you by Duluth Trading. Tough, ingenious workwear designed and tested by tradesmen. Welcome back this weekend. NASCAR races under the lights in Richmond on back-to-back -back nights right here on NBCSN. First up, the Xfinity Series. That is Friday at 7.30 Eastern. And then on Saturday, the last race before the playoffs for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Saturday night, 7.30 Eastern, right here. Well, Denny Hamlin's Darlington paint scheme was inspired by the Flying 11 by Mr. Modified, the late Ray Hendrick, who was from Richmond and who earned more than 700 short track wins in his career. Let's hear from one of the members of Hamlin's victorious 11 team with today's pit crew review. It's the Bojangles Southern 500 throwback weekend here in South Carolina. Denny Hamlin looking for his second Southern 500. Hamlin is going to win at Darlington. I'm Mike Hicks, rear tire changer for the Sport Clips Toyota. Um, uh, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it was a crazy night tonight. We had good stops, solid stops all night. And win at Darlington, is it's, it's a special place. You know, it's a pit stop heavy racetrack, and it takes a complete team effort to win at Darlington. And I got a great group of guys behind me, and it's just a great team win. Mike Hicks and the rest of the 11 pit crew able to get fresh tires on Denny Hamlin's car on that last pit stop and enabled him to chase down Martin Truex Jr. in a race a deficit of nearly 24 seconds. Hamlin is now the second active driver to win the Southern 500 twice. He joins Jimmy Johnson in that feat. And now it is on to Richmond where Denny Hamlin has won three times including the September race one year ago. We'll continue to look ahead to next week's regular season finale when NASCAR America comes back. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. I'm as motivated, if not more motivated than ever, to find success. We feel as though we're right on target to go out there and repeat as champions again. 
never thought I'd make it to where I'm at today. I've won a few championships, and if you want to come up and take it from me, you have to do all that stuff to get there. After a throwback weekend at Darlington, NASCAR heading to the action track Richmond Raceway. So NBCSN's coverage begins Friday morning with the Monster Energy Series practice. Then it's Xfinity Series racing at 7 p.m. Eastern Saturday night. The Cup Series regular season concluding under the lights. Our coverage begins with Countdown to Green. That is at 7 Eastern. So let's just look at the playoff standings here as we wrap things up and kind of look ahead to Richmond. My eyes, Steve and Jeff, just go right to the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. You see the three drivers who are in based on points, and then those other four drivers, two rookies in the mix, who may have a chance to spoil the party. But Jeff, how likely is it that one of these drivers could potentially show up, win this thing, and ruin spots 14 to 16, or at least that last 16th spot for one of these drivers. Well, they haven't won so far this, reason, this season for a reason. Now, wait a minute. Joy Logano did win. It's just <laughs> it was encumbered. So, I, I mean, and even Joy Logano at Richmond, you know, he led like 25 laps. So it's not like he dominated the race. They had great track. They had great strategy. Uh, late pit stop came from sixth, seventh, eighth in that range to win the race. So. I don't know. I, I, I will say that, you know, when you back somebody in the corner, they can often be very dangerous. And we've seen Eric Jones, the rookie, that the last, you know, two of the last three weeks, he's had a real opportunity to win races. And they ran very well there in the spring before getting caught up in a problem. So, you know, I think a rookie, you know, Eric Jones, to me, that team has shown the most speed. If I had to say any one team, that would probably be the team and driver I put my, put my money on. Well, I think, Carolyn, I'm going to focus below the cut line because I think that's where the focus needs to be. The teams that must win, must push the issue, must win to advance. And it's very simple. When I look at Joey Logano and Clint Boyer, not making the playoffs is an absolute disappointment. They started this year in February, and the goal of those two race teams, Clint Boyer in the 14, Joey Logano in the 22, is they would assume they were going to be one of the 16. That was the goal. Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, I don't think that was the goal. I think the goal is it's your rookie year. Go out, try to run, try to learn. So I think when I look at those four teams, it's going to be totally different. Can the veterans perform? Because they will have the most pressure on them. I kind of agree with Jeff. Maybe a rookie like Eric Jones will sneak in, Carolyn, without all the pressure, steal the last seat at the table. You really think it could happen? Yeah, why not? He was raised at short tracks. Look what he did at Bristol. I think that he has as good a chance as anyone under the cut line to win a race, perhaps, better than the two veterans. All right, well, we've got a couple more days to talk about that. Darlington's such a fun weekend, but it is all about Richmond as we wrap up the week. We'll be with you from the Hall of Fame tomorrow. That's all for NASCAR America. For now, we'll see you at 5 p.m. tomorrow. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard. The perfecter of the patio and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.